Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here with Marcin Drozd. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you uh, start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Sure. I'm a Canadian hiding out in the U.S. for a good portion of the year. I work in, uh, start out private equity on the real estate side. And uh, yeah, I've been at it for 16 years now. I started out reading the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that book before. Uh, Read the book. I'm like, you know what? I probably figure this thing out. You know, bought a house in my uh, late teens, early 20s, bought a few more, uh, learned a whole bunch, uh, you know, got into real estate. Literally, I had to beg my way into it. I didn't have family, didn't have friends in it. So I literally uh, begged realtors to let me learn the business and I carried their four sales signs. Literally, I would take their for sale signs, carry them for them to the sites, off the sites, clean them, scrub them, repaint them that flat white color. And eventually, you know, a few of them took some pity on me and taught me a little bit about real estate, uh, bought a few houses. And a few years after that, I got recruited into private equity. So then you went from buying houses and small little properties to, hey, you know, we're going to go buy this 200 unit complex, 300 unit community, X, Y, Z. And you know, that was like drinking from, uh, you know, from a fire hose. I did that for a few years. Um, after that broke out on my own, I put together an eight figure fund with a few partners on the equity side. And around then it was 2010, 2011, when the U.S. had, well, after the Great Recession, things that obviously got really dire. Uh, we came down and we started looking for opportunities. So we were in Arizona, we were buying apartment buildings, uh, plazas, and, uh, you know, my only regret from then is that the eight-figure fund wasn't a nine-figure fund because as we know today, you know, <laughs> what we were doing then would have been absolute gold today, right? So absolutely. No, hundred percent. And some of what we talked about before we hit record was the value of learning how to raise money, whether mm-hmm. you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a real estate investor, if you learn the concept of being able to use other people's money and scale much more effectively through that it's just a concept that it'll take you so much farther than if you're restricting yourself to your own funds your friends and family maybe and what a bank will approve you for 
I mean, yeah. yeah. So I would love to dive in more on that. And, and, uh, I guess just to start from scratch, you know, if, if I know nothing about raising money, like what's the first step, I maybe I have a deal. Let's say this scenario, let's say I'm some kid who's heard about real estate wholesaling. He's super interested in it. And, you know, I, I went and I drove for some dollars and I found, oh, I got this little, you know, the six unit apartment complex. And I actually got in touch with the owner and, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like $3 million in California. Like how do I raise $3 million? Right. Well, so the first thing too, is whether if, first of all, if you're new to the business, the first thing you got to do is you got to get the experience and you either pay for the experience or you partner for the experience. So for me, I essentially paid for the experience by working for free and in private equity and eventually working my way through the system. The other way I could have done it is I could have partnered with experience. So step one, before you raise money for your own deal is you actually have to have the experience because anybody with real money is going to see right through the sales pitch and go, okay, kids, so what have you done? <laughs> and if your answer is, well, I read this book or I took this course, you know, that's a good start, but taking down a $3 million deal is your first deal is going to be really, really tough. So, you know, partner with the experience. This is why people have boards of directors. This is why entrepreneurs typically surround themselves with the team, right? But I mean, at a smaller level, get the experience. The the next piece is, and we can talk about this, is I have something called the easy system. And I've I put it as an acronym, exclusive, abundance, scarce in your allocation. So that's a way to create sort of a framework, whether it's real estate, whether you're trying to raise money for a tech company, whatever you're trying to do, I put together a framework so that you can build interest and create scarcity and urgency with a conversation without spinning yourself in a circle. Because, you know, people that are new to raising money, they, they typically almost have this feeling of the deal should sell it self, right? You have this mentality of it'll just, oh, it's so obvious. Like this makes so much sense. Like, look what this guy did. Like, we'll be able to do it here. But the truth is that there's systems and processes you have to have, and you have to get really good at communicating your ideas succinctly in 30 seconds or less. So if you want, I I can give you an example. Let's use that $3 million example of yours. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I, uh, again, I, I don't know the market in California. I don't know if you can get an eightplex for 3 million bucks, but <laughs> let's, pre- let's pretend you can't, right? So the E, the exclusive is what are the three or four factors that make your opportunity abundantly clear to anybody who, who just comes off the street? Like, don't talk to me about going in cap rates and coming out cap rates. Don't talk to me about the interest rates or things like this. Like, just tell me specifically. So one exclusive option might be, hey, it's on the corner of Maine and Maine. There's 30,000 cars that drive by here a day. Another exclusive option could be, you know, a property just like this sold for 15% more just down the street. Another option might be the rents on this building are $300 a month less than what they should be. So you can talk, another one could be, hey, it's right across the street from the VA or it's right across the street from the university campus. Like tell me three or four things that boom, 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 boom. Tell me exactly why this is a good opportunity from from a from an exclusive standpoint. The next part is abundance. So you have to be able to demonstrate that you have a lot of options as a, as a real estate guy. So you're not calling them and hoping that they bless this transaction because that's the only way it's going to happen. You have to have the demeanor of I'm doing this 
this is happening. Here's where I'm going. Do you want to come? And you got to do it in a, in a nice, it's not about arrogance. It's not about being cocky. It's just about, look, I know you're interested. I've got a few other people I got to call. This is something that I know my investors are going to love. I have three people call. I have 17 people. Like, don't lie, but also be candid about the fact that you have options. The S is the scarcity. So scarcity can come in two forms. You can either create scarcity as a function of time because you're closing on X date. So that's scarce because the opportunity is gone after that. And or the actual equity itself or the capital that you need. Because if you need a million dollars, once you have it, you're done. You're moving on. If you need 10 million, so on and so forth. So it could be as simple as, and here's why it's exclusive. You know, we have some people to talk to. Look, we're closing on X 30th of the month. Uh, we're only looking for $2 million. Our average investment is X, Y, Z. So we're only looking for another seven or eight people that want to work with us. And then, you know, the conversation might carry on and you'd move on to Y, which is your allocation or your action item. So in other words, it could be as simple as, so look, it sounds like this is interesting to you. Tell you what, I'll send you the documents and, you know, you can work your way through it. But look, if this did make sense and everything checked out, what amount would you potentially consider? So you got to ask, you know, because if they come back to you and they say, yeah, you know what? It makes sense. I'd probably look at doing X dollars. Or if they're not serious, they'll say, well, yeah, look, I don't know. The timing's off. I'm actually just waiting for my house to close. I'm just selling this company. Like, But at least they'll be candid with you and you're not deluding yourself into thinking that, yeah, yeah, they're totally interested. Because that's the worst part, right? Is we lie to ourselves and we think, oh, Jim's got a hundred grand in the bank or 500 grand. He's totally going to do this deal. And, you know, that's not how it works. So, yeah. you know, exclusive, abundant, scarce in your allocation. And as I said, this can be for real estate. It can be for an operating business, whatever it is. And of course, guys, all of this goes without saying that you got to have the right legal advice because fundraising is a, is a regulated activity. So you got to get the right paperwork, get your documents in order. Don't cheap out on that. But foregoing all of that, this framework will give you a way to create some clarity and, and you're not sounding like a pushy salesman, which is really important when you're raising money. Absolutely. No, that was a great framework. I love it. Easy. It's uh, easy to remember. It, it also hits on some of the key points in negotiation and creating urgency and scarcity uh, around deals. So really love that. And I'm curious to learn a little bit more about the online program that you have. Cause when I was doing research, it looked like, yes, you have this long track record in private equity, but now you also have this this kind of like e-learning course or like a, a, like a mastermind of some kind. So I'd love yeah. to learn a little bit more about that. Sure. Th thanks, Jeffrey. So like everyone else, when COVID hit, I was at home twiddling my thumbs. I mean, up in Canada, uh, you needed a permission slip to go to the bathroom for a period of time there. Like it was, it was really bad. And so I'm at home and my wife's like, you got to go do something. You're driving me nuts. Cause I <laughs> I'm used to being on a plane 50, 70 times a year and all that downtime. So I'm sitting there and I'm getting calls and texts from buddies. Hey, I'm trying to do this. Hey, I'm trying to do that. And I just started putting together some thoughts around, cause I I'd, I'd always done these things, but I never put labels on them and I never called them. I just did them. This is kind of like yeah. breathing for me. So I just sat there and I thought to myself, how do I distill this information in a, in a way that other people could do it? So I started thinking of acronyms. Easy was one. I have another thing for ASAP marketing to real estate investors, which those acronyms stand for something else. And I thought <laughs> initially I thought, okay, I'm going to do a Saturday Zoom. 
And I'm like, all right, put it out to my network. I'm like, let's see who shows up. And we had like 50 or 60 people show up. I'm like, all right. So I, I start put some slides together, try to figure this stuff. Cause I didn't, I didn't know if people were going to show up. Right. So I, I do this thing and people are, I thought I could cover this in a day. And I made the mistake of making it a full eight hour training. And I mean, the brain can only take what the butt can endure. So after like two, three hours, people are like just shifting their way. Like it's a long day in front of a computer. Right. So anyway, we muscled their way through it. You know, people, most of them stuck around for the whole thing, but the feedback I got after was Marson. We loved it. We remember like 3% of it but it all sounded awesome. So then I was like, man, like this is too much stuff. And then you start, you know how it is, you start putting stuff together and you're like, oh, this will take five minutes. And then you're three hours into it and you're like, this is pretty heavy. So one thing led to another. I ended up putting together a master course, how to raise capital for real estate. Um, That's sold actually incredibly well. Um, We've got students all over the world at this point, actually. And, you know, they've signed up for that and that snowballed into an inner circle. And, and now we have a training, we have a training company where we teach people how to structure and scale their real estate portfolios. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun just watching people. Like we've had students come on that had a couple doors. One guy is now up to, I think, 200 doors. Another guy went from 20 to 50. So it's, it's fun. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, I mean, when you put out a Zoom invite to your network and 50, 60 people show up, it's obviously on a subject that they are interested in. Mm-hmm. They weren't anticipating being uh, wrangled into an eight hour training that day, I'm sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, we, we told them it'd be two, three hours, but then I started right. going into it. And it, it at one point I'm like, hey, do you guys want to take a break for lunch? And my buddies just started laughing. They're just like, dude. I got my kids screaming in the background, like, are you going to record this? I'm like, yeah. They're like, all right, I got to go. <laughs> They're like, I love it. It's great. But, you know, I got to do laundry. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, congrats on the success with it, then developing into an inner circle and, you know, developing into multiple other spinoffs of that. And so now that the pandemic is coming to a close and, you know, we're getting back to normal life, are you still traveling as much as you work and on 50, 75 flights a year or have have things kind of evolved? And, uh, you know, you're communicating a lot more electronically, virtual meetings, things of that nature to get deals done. Yeah. So Jeffrey, you and I were kind of talking about that before this thing kind of kicked off. The world has changed now. It's socially acceptable to do the remote meetings now. And, you know, if I look five years or 10 years into the future with the whole uh, VR or augmented reality with the goggles and the headpieces and things like this, I think eventually the Zoom thing that's two dimensional right now is eventually going to be, hey, here's the goggles. You're in the office, so to speak, for however many hours. And the need to get on a plane and fly for three hours there and back to have a 45 minute meeting is, you know, it's kind of becoming uh, irrelevant. I mean, when I first got into the business, you know, I would try to say, hey, you know, why don't we hop on like GoToMeeting or Skype or whatever it was. And you know, most of the people I was working with had a little bit more gray hair on their head. And they would say, well, why? Why don't you just come to the office? Okay, sure. And in my head, I'm like, let me fly nine hours combined to meet yeah. you for an hour. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I guess that's been the silver lining in all this uh, post-COVID stuff. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, that's something that even during COVID, I went live on social media and I said, 
my heart goes out to anyone who has lost a loved one to this this virus and obviously there are many negatives of what's happening right now socially politically physically i mean everything is is just in turmoil but i said one thing that i hope stays after this has gone away cuz this will go away mm-hmm. and I, I said one thing that i hope stays is this work from home less travel adoption of technology mm-hmm. because this virus has basically fast forwarded us like five years into the future in the adoption of technology and the the yeah. work work remote from 20th century companies that never in a million years would have allowed their workers to work remote and now they have to and they realized whoa actually you know yeah, this will get work done bad. at home like it's not that bad right and uh i said i hope that stays right i, I hope yeah. that people aren't forced to go drive an hour and a half each way to commute to the office, you know, in and out, they live outside the city. They got to commute in and commute back three hours, not to be with their family. I mean, I I was like, man, I hope that just stays and we can, we can just move forward as a society once this thing goes away. And it seems to for a large degree that you're right, that acceptance of technology in business to be used and for people to work from home, work remote, it has been much more um, enhanced after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and to your point, I think the other thing too, is because this lockdown and whatever reiteration, depending on where you live in the country has has lasted as long as it has, I think what's ended up happening, even with the fortune 500 companies and the big, the big guys all the way down to the small, you know, small uh, businesses is people have had to change their policies and their procedures, and they've had to adjust everything from their technology to how they secure data to how they communicate. And because it's been so long, they've been forced to create a different way to work now. Whereas before the excuse could have been, well, you can't work from home. We don't have policies for that. We don't have procedures. What about security? Your laptop is exposed, (laughs) yada, yada, all this stuff. Well, today, I mean, everything is locked down. They've most of the companies have adjusted to the fact that everyone is working from home because that's what was required. So they don't even have the excuse anymore of saying you have to come back. We have security concerns. We have this, we have that because typically larger corporations, they they like to pull the corporate card, but they don't even have that excuse anymore because everything has been uh, locked up, locked up, VPN secured. Yeah. You know, work computers that are sent out that are pre-set up by IT that they have, you know, full control and visibility over. And, you know, you have that at your home, fully secure now. And you're right. They don't have that corporate card to play. So uh, I have friends that are running pretty significant companies and some of them actually love the fact that their employees can spend more time at home. And they can see their families longer. They're, they t- ironically, the, I guess the dirty little secret is by working from home, a lot of people actually end up working longer. So you know that <laughs> that is you know in of itself a double edged sword. But the autonomy to work from home is they thought they were worried that people were not going to work and people were not right. going to do their jobs. But that myth has been dispelled, you know, for twenty four months straight now. So yep. And if anything, the employers. Uh, so getting back to real estate now, I think to myself all right, what about all this office space? And right now, these large companies have these long 10-year leases, 20-year leases on these really large office footprints. But what happens when these things mature and these guys say, you know what, we don't need 50,000 square feet anymore. I mean, pre-COVID, the concern was similar, but this whole thing with COVID now 
brought it to today as opposed to maybe 10 years from now. I mean, I, I remember one of my friends who works at a law firm and an entire floor, they used to have an entire floor dedicated to archives. So if you see uh, the show Suits, you know, when Donna yep. and Mike are in the archives and they're pulling folders, there's an entire floor or floors of these things. Law firms don't need these things anymore. They have everything digitally uh, recorded, shredded. They have those big vans come and basically shred the paper. They encrypt it and they put it in the cloud. So tens of thousands of square feet that they don't need anymore of prime real estate. Right. Like yeah. There, there are some interesting office in opportunities in, in the real estate space considering this, oh, yeah. this lack of adoption. I mean, I know businesses, business owners that were coming up on renewal and during mm-hmm. COVID and they're like, I'm not going to renew like why, you know, my, my 90% of my staff now is, is working from home and we're still getting everything done. It would reduce this X, Y, Z expense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, did, I agree. I did the same thing. One of my offices downtown, same thing, you know, why spend thousands or whatever it was tens of thousands of dollars per month. I mean, everyone's working from home. They're working. Okay, good. So, and if you want to go meet, you can rent a Regis or get a WeWork membership and go meet exactly. in a beautiful office, you know, ceiling to floor glass downtown in whatever city you're in, in the world and yeah. go get a meeting room. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in a, a, an amazing time. So oh, one yeah. thing that I ask all of my guests is more of an entrepreneurial habit, and it's what is the single most important action you take every day that has attributed most to your success? So in my late 30s now, I would say celebrating the little wins along the way hmm. is, is a really big part of what keeps you going. Because I can tell you, uh, so Jeffrey, in my 20s, you couldn't tell me anything. I was going to figure it out at hell or high water. It's happening. We're going. Here, here's what's happening. And everything along <laughs> the way, you know, it's just detail. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Right. So as you get into your 30s and years of where the years start to wear on you, and if all you're doing, I'm just speaking from my experience, the years started to wear on me because I never took the time to acknowledge how far I'd come, whether I was 22 to 25, 25 to 28, or up to my 30s, I would always think to myself, okay, when I do this, I'm good. I would do it. And then rather than acknowledging and celebrating that, I'd be like, all right, now that. And then there was never that acknowledgement. There was never that moment to appreciate what it was to get to where that is. Even just a moment, it was always a fleeting, okay, now this, now this, now this. So now in my late thirties, I take the time along the way to just acknowledge the little things, whether it's, you know, again, one of our students getting something, getting a deal done, raising some money, whether it's us closing on a property, whether it's my daughter learning how to hold her bottle, you know, I'm a new dad. It's just little things now. I I take the time to savor those little things because I'll be honest with you, I don't remember my 20s in the work world. I remember what people tell me or my reputation or things like this, but I don't remember it myself because I just kept going. So biggest thing for me now is celebrate the little wins. That's a great tip. And that's something that, you know, Tony Robbins talks about as well. Mm-hmm. It's you, you have to stop to recognize when you do have a win. So it, high achievers, it's funny because they are so interested in increasing productivity and, and getting more done in the day. And, <laughs> and you can continue to just get into this onslaught of workaholic type mentality where 
you know, like you said, the finish line is continuously moving mm-hmm. and you're crushing goals and never stopping to celebrate and acknowledge that win. It's yeah. interesting cycle that starts and it's hard to escape. So I think that's it's a very, also, very it's also wise exhausting. point. It's also exhausting both to you totally and, your, a, and your team. Totally a burnout type of, of habit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I also have, you know, I basically experienced that right out of high school working for Cutco Cutlery. And I mean, it's not Cutco's fault, but I left my restaurant job that I hated and got into a direct sales position where I set my own schedule. And I thought, oh, awesome. I get to work whenever I want, which then meant I worked all the time. Uh, so there are no labor laws saying go home or take a break or, (laughs) or, you know, you know, have lunch at this time. It was just like, I had to, I had to learn, Whoa, I need to schedule in eating and like schedule in a date with my girlfriend and schedule in, right. Like schedule in time to sleep and take downtime. I just, I had to structure my whole life because that lack of structure going out on my own, it was, it was a formative experience. But prior to that, I was working a hundred hours a week not even noticing it, just working 7am at the office, leave at 10pm, six days a week, and then half day on Sundays. And it was like, what are you doing, dude? (laughs) So, so yeah, I I experienced that in my early twenties and late teens. And then, uh, you know, throughout my twenties, I started to periodically celebrate wins more. And, and nowadays I'm much better at it. I've been traveling much more and having fun and all still growing my company and being, being present, being, being here and setting goals and achieving goals. But, you know, I have a big one coming up. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about, man, it's going to be so great to celebrate that win that's coming up here in a couple of months that we were, we're so close, we're working towards it. And, and it's like, I just envision me taking my whole family out, my sisters, my nephews, my wife, and just yeah. like dining and like celebrating it and, and really experiencing the, the win to the fullest because that's what life really is all about. Yeah, and if you anchor those wins with those types of feelings, then it makes it all worthwhile along the way. Because again, if if you spend your entire life just pushing and pushing and pushing and you have all the credentials and everybody externally thinks you're the greatest guy ever, well, all right, but that's fleeting. You're gonna be the mm. you're gonna be the richest guy as Tony Robbins was richest guy at the graveyard. That was another thing you'd always say, right? So yeah, no, it's funny because listening to you tell what you're saying, I mean, we traveled very similar paths, different roads, but similar paths. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting to to have conversations like this. I mean, we're still relatively young. I'm 30 or 37, you know, and, and to have had those experiences early enough to then be having a conversation like this now and then have the rest of our lives to recognize that, celebrate wins, you know, take time off, take vacations, enjoy family. You know, it, I feel like the velocity of information nowadays, it, we're so blessed to have so much at our fingertips to learn that we can avoid some of these pitfalls that previously would take sometimes an entire lifetime, someone working at a company and being miserable and doing this thing. And then they realize it way later. So definitely grateful for, you know, shows like this, you know, not, not just to toot my own horn, but there are so many great podcasts out there and so many great resources to learn things. So really appreciate having you on. And, um, you know, I'm curious if there is a question that I should have asked you or, or if there's anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier. 
Well, as you were saying that, I, I think what I want to acknowledge is the fact that your format for your podcast is, I think it's well-structured. And I think that the thing is, you're right, there's a lot of Thank information you. out there nowadays, but I heard a quote and I can't attribute the source, but it was, we're drowning in information, but we're starved for knowledge. And I don't right. know where I heard that from. So, you know, my comment to that quote would be, you really need to be careful about who you let into your head. So, you know, people mm. like yourself, the different groups you listen to, podcasts, mentors, uh, people you follow, you've got to guard that time because today the most expensive commodity out there is your time. It really is because there are a billion ways for you to zap up. Like you ever pick up your phone, you put, you and I probably don't have this as much anymore, but you ever pick up your phone and then an hour goes by and you're like, what the hell was I just doing? I mean, I have <laughs> since, since this, since this show, it's like, yeah. And, and that's kind of the point, right? So, so an example, uh, Jeffrey, I'll just, I'll just share this. One of the things that I do, if you looked at my phone, I have no messages, I have no reminders, I have nothing. So all my notifications are off. I, I have I did that. everything off on my phone. Did that the only thing that comes through is my wife and uh, one or two people. And when they call, this thing lights up like a Christmas tree, everything else, it rings. I just, it doesn't pull me away from what I'm doing. And I think that's one really important thing is that we focus on the things that are actually aligned with your goals, because there's a billion things to pull you everywhere today. Yeah, it's a good point. Tim Ferriss taught me that. He talked about the low information diet. Right. And for a while, for like two years, I had literally zero notifications. Like my phone didn't ring. <laughs> it would go to voicemail, but like I wouldn't pick up calls ever randomly unless it right. was in my, in my favorites, family. And so... It was funny because I went from like constantly responding to people and teaching them that they could text me and get an instant mm -hmm. response to now I respond six hours later and I do it in a batch and it takes me 15 minutes. And now that's the, how I'm communicating that I respond to that type of communication method. Mm -hmm. And so then people would learn at first, there was a little bit of a shock from like my, my network. And then people just learn like, oh yeah, Jeff doesn't text back right away. Right. <laughs> It's, it is what it is. Yeah. And then that allowed me to then focus on what I wanted to focus on during that time, my entrepreneurial journey, building my company, being present with whoever I'm with at that time and not being constantly distracted. So I still have elements of that. It, it has evolved since I went on that strict no information diet to mm -hmm. now it's very selective information. Uh, yeah. Like that, that text thread that I showed you it's mm -hmm. actually a nonprofit event that I'm throwing on my birthday with a bunch of friends next month. It's oh, coming up cool. in three, three weeks. And so we're all collaborating on, on different things. And that's great. That's a high quality type of thing that I want to be a part yeah. of and I want to see notifications from. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's, it's key to be very selective about the information that you allow in and mm -hmm. the types of influences and, and also the people that you surround yourself with. So a uh, great point. Really appreciate having you on. How can listeners contact you? So the best the best way for people to get in touch is uh, check out my website, uh, marcindroz.com. It's M-A-R-C-I-N-D-R-O-Z-D-Z.com. Hopefully you can put that in your, <laughs> in the show. I will. <laughs> uh, and for those, those that are looking to really capitalize on the whole easy system that I shared. I have a free mini course on my website. They can just go on the website, download it. It's there. It's about 15 or 20 minutes of tutorial videos that reframes the whole conversation in a way that you can use for, for, for whatever you're trying to accomplish. Amazing. 
Well, really appreciate having you on. Marcin Droz, really amazing content. The easy method, like I still have it in my head. It, it really is an easy way to remember how to talk about raising capital and, and create that urgency that you need and come from the position of authority rather than this position of desperation. I mean, it was pretty masterful how you, you broke that down in, in a really succinct way. That's how I know someone understands something when they can break it down in a succinct way and clearly communicate it the first time. That means yeah. you really know it intimately and you can, you know, in 30 seconds, explain it. So yeah, I really appreciate having you on great content and I'll certainly link below to all the resources that you mentioned. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.